This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? May 14th edition of the Fight Follow May podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. You can follow me online at Showdown Joe. Give us a follow at Fightful MMA. And of course, it is a post UFC event podcast, always joined by managing editor for Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. To all the mothers out there that are probably tuning in live right now and or potentially listening uh, on Stitcher and iTunes later on, we wish you all a happy Mother's Day on behalf of everybody here at Fightful. Sean Ross Sapp, what's going on, my man? Happy Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. All, all of our wonderful motherly listeners. And there are many. Four yeah. Like. How can you dislike Steve Miocic in a world? Blue collar guy, man. He answered that, that last question by Joe Rogan absolutely perfectly. Don't worry about who I got to fight next. I want to see. I got a kitchen to do. He's got to remodel the kitchen. I mean, that's absolutely yeah. classic. In right? between saving people's lives, by the way. Yeah. You know, firefighter by day, UC champion by night remodeling kitchens in the weekend. I mean, the guy's a gangster. I absolutely love it. I, I, I like him. I love Glover Teixeira. I don't know if, for those that don't know, but Glover Teixeira is a massive handyman. That guy there, he can, all he, he told me one time, he goes, you just give me a shovel and a chainsaw and I'll build you anything. I said, okay. Wow. Cool. Yeah, he's uh, he's hilarious. He actually, when he was up in Toronto, uh, I invited him over to the house, whatever, for, for a, you know a, a Sunday afternoon sort of uh, dinner, lunch, because I was building, a, I wanted to get a deck done. He's like, I'm in. Don't have to pay me anything. Just feed me. I said, all right, we'll figure something out. So that's, that's awesome. Glover to share. Yeah, Glover's a good guy. But uh, yeah, Stephen Miocic is the heavyweight champion of the world and still, hashtag and still, a fantastic performance versus Junior Dos Santos. Many people were always wondering, you know, would this thing go 25 minutes like that first fight went 25 minutes? No, this thing lasted two minutes and 22 seconds. Miocic, despite getting his shin probably ruptured, I think it's nasty. Uh, emerges victorious with those those bombs that he has in his fist. Yeah, it's funny. It, almost every single UFC heavyweight title fight in the last ten years has had a finish. I think seventeen of eighteen since the Couture Gonzaga fight. So, like every single one of them just ends in a finish. You you know what you're getting with a UFC title fight, and. <laughs> hose me down joe maybe i'm talking too quick but three fights in a calendar year from a ufc champion what yeah what's going oh on my that? isn't that insane yeah so well hopefully that 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 shin uh isn't going to keep him out i doubt it will because the guy's a, he's just tough as a beast he's an absolute animal and you know he wants to keep fighting uh although i'm i'm kind of disturbed when he said beforehand that he doesn't care about you know championship belts or legacies he just what is it he just wants knockouts what did he say i forgot what the quote was but i'm like dude just keep fighting man make some no, money he's doing it he's doing it man and yeah, he put the brakes on Stipe Miocic, and he hunted uh, – or Junior Dos Santos, rather. And Miocic was hunting Dos Santos down. Uh, a little note, Dos Santos was looking to set a new record between uh, – longest time between title reigns at four and a half years. The longest in UFC history was Randy Couture, but it wasn't any of them that you would have thought. It was actually between his first two, between January of 98 and November of 2000. And Miocic made history by tying Kotor, Lesnar, Sylvia, and Velazquez with two successful UFC title defenses. Like, that's how unpredictable this division has been traditionally. Now, dude, there's not a whole lot to break down as, as it pertains to the actual fight. And, and we'll talk about it more throughout the show as, as our viewers accumulate, too, because this is one we can keep going back to. But immediately after the fight, what I don't like is the narrative pushing of, well, let's get Cain Velasquez in there and fight him. And I'm like, whoa, 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 guys. 
He's won one fight in three and a half years. No chance. Absolutely no chance. No. How could, like, this is, in my opinion, if you were to ask me, in Velazquez versus Stipe Miocic, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier, book him, which do you think has a higher probability of falling out with Dana White at one point saying, I can't trust John Jones? I don't know how he could trust Cain Velazquez, especially after what happened in December. I am convinced that he wanted out of that fight. And that's why he mentioned all that stuff. Because there's no way you're going to say, I'm already scheduled for back surgery if you don't expect to get pulled. Yeah. I mean, come on. He he knew the score. And the thing is, Velasquez isn't a young pup. He's going to be 35 in July. And Miocic isn't young either. But he Velasquez will come back and he he, he has these bounce backs and stuff like that. And he had that impressive win over Travis Brown, but the last win before that was his title defense over Dos Santos in 2013. He didn't fight in 2014. He fought once in 15 and 16. I don't want to see him miss a full year again and then get a title shot. I'm, I'm just not down with that, especially when you have Derek Lewis and you have Francis Ngannou just there, just like there, and people are like, well, are they ready? I'm like, it's a heavyweight division. Of course they're ready. One punch will tell you that they're ready. Yeah. I mean, Francis Ngannou, I think, is going to be the lead, uh, depending on what he does in his next fight. I think he should emerge victorious, but I do think uh, he should be next in line, not Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez has been gone too long. Uh, I like your little narrative there, uh, or potential uh, UFC card. With why, the why has it got to be a little narrative? Why can't it just be a regular narrative, a regular-sized narrative? It's a fair narrative. How's that? With, there we with, go. With that, that potential main event, co-main event of the heavyweight championship of the world with Stipe Miocic and Cain Velasquez and John Jones taking on Daniel Cormier and who would, you know, Dana White, that event would get canceled instantaneously. I mean, you, yeah. that, that, you, can, you couldn't even print the posters. They would, the, the ink would even dry and the event would be canceled because it's just, you can't. There'd be so many changes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a situation where Cain Velasquez uh, is – in my books, will always go down as a coulda, shoulda, woulda. Uh, Could have been the greatest of all time. His body just simply cannot hold up on it. And John Jones is John Jones. You just never know what you're going to get with John Jones. I mean, I had people messaging me on my phone uh, when that press conference was going on when he made the uh, – What a know, presser. Yeah, that cocaine comment and stuff like that. And, oh, I did cocaine last week or one weekend, and then the next weekend I beat you up, Daniel Cormier, and stuff like that. And I just was like, yep, hashtag role model. I mean, like, come on, man. Who cares? He's selling yeah. pay-per-views. He yeah. is what he is at this point. He's, He's not going to be a role model. And they no. can't all be role models. No, no, no. But you know what I'm saying with that, right? This is a father of three or four kids, according to Chael's son and five. Um, but yeah, he's oh, just, yeah, <laughs> tried to get me to do that in an interview. I'm like, I'm not touching that one, dude. You can say it, but I ain't bringing it up. So, but yeah, um, it is one of those things that came Velasquez is very unfortunate. I'd love to see him, you know, some way, somehow put together, you know, two fights in a year, three fights in a year would be fantastic, but he just, his body simply can never say never, Sean. Like, I mean, anything can happen, but this is a guy that simply cannot just stay healthy. That's that's just the bottom line. His body cannot hold up and do it. I cannot see him competing for that title anytime soon, uh, and I can't see him being a champion potentially ever again. Yeah, I think he's been fighting for eleven years and he has fifteen fights. That is, that's like less than a fight and a half per year. That's not that's not a very good number, especially with the UFC needing their champions to be active. If he comes back and he wins a fight, one fight, sure, why not? Yeah, well, it's, Why it's not? the heavyweight division, right? Yeah, I completely understand that. Guys, don't forget, live chat, top right of your screen. Uh, I see tons of comments coming in there, a lot of positive. A lot of people saying the prelims are better than the main card. Uh, you could definitely make that argument as well, but I'd say, no, the main card was absolutely fantastic. We'll get to a bunch uh, of the fights here. Uh, well, let me let me ask you, though. Who do you think Ngannou fights? Supposedly, he has a fight lined up at UFC 214, according to him. Yeah, uh, I don't know who who they put him up against. I won that Derek Lewis fight. That's the one that I was looking for. But Derek Lewis is taking on Mark Hunt, if I'm not mistaken, in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So um, how would you do that? Why would you put like they must be mad? That must have been his pun- Derek Lewis's punishment. No, you Rock- said it was it was a dual punishment for both guys. Yeah, it's like yeah, it was like Mark Hunt. You got to fight Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis since you. Smack talked Ronda Rousey. You got to fight Mark Hunt, and you got to do it in his home country. <laughs> Go out there and kill each other, guys. 
that type of thing. It's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, guys, like I said, don't forget live chat, top right of your screen. And don't forget that the the Fightful MMA podcast now is Tuesdays uh, at 3 p.m., 3 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern uh, with Sean Rossap and yours truly. Uh, a lot of changes will be coming uh, on the podcast. It'll look absolutely fantastic. Uh, Sean is not only the managing editor of Fightful, he's the technical director, he's the producer, he's the associate producer, uh, he's the assistant to the associate producer. Uh, yeah, he's going to have his hands full moving forward. Oh, yeah. I just got to show up, guys and girls. I just show up, <laughs> put this goofy-looking headset on, and host a show. It's up to Sean. Sean's going to make me look pretty, which we got to this hair comment. So go ahead. Sorry. While we let people accumulate in here, that presser, by the way, outstanding. Kevin Lee and Michael Chiesa sold a show. Yep. They yep. sold a show. I didn't give a damn about their fight. I give That's a damn I- about it now. You're right, because I said the same thing. To the, That was a full week when that fight was being rumored and then announced. And every guest that I had on during that Fightful uh, MMA podcast, I, I was just kind of like, nah, you know. Uh, and everyone was kind of saying, yeah, you know, you got to start promoting some of these guys. I'm like, yeah, you can promote them. But in a main event, I mean, it's just not going to sell. And then that happened at the at, the, at this press conference. Uh, solid punch lineup by Kevin Lee, or at least solid punch thrown by Kevin Lee. I mean, that what was badass. What punishment do you think he gets? Mm. He's getting something. Yeah, he's getting something. He'll be fine. He'll be fine for sure. But, um, but that that show, hey guys, that's going to be a show to watch. Uh, Kiesa Lee, Bo Chendricks, uh, Felice Herrig, and Justine Keish. Uh, Little Nog's going to be on the show. BJ Penn, Clay Guida versus Coke. Um, Rose versus Esparza. That's a good one too. Uh, and that that gives us a little bit of a segue. It seems so long ago that the question was puzzled. How will the strawweight division deal with Carla Esparza's wrestling? <laughs> right? It seems so long ago that that was the question that was posed. And then you have Johanna Jacek, who proved everybody wrong. And she's, to me, I was watching the fight tonight, and I thought, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, she's the modern-day Chuck Liddell. You know, the modern-day Chuck Liddell, she strikes, she's going to punish people. Uh, she's not getting the finishes, which is fine, but she's punishing people in the stand-up. She's far more technical than, Ch- than Chuck Liddell, but Chuck Liddell had that style where you can try and take him down, he's going to stand back up, and then he's going to punish you in his prime, when he was in his prime in, in the heyday, uh, when he was a champ sort of thing. And Johanna Jacek's the same sort of way. She's got that style where, you know, she, she'll take a bit of punishment in the beginning, keep the fight where she needs it to be, and then just pick apart her opponent um you know remember it's it's a smaller division it's very difficult to finish um just look at the stats when you start looking at uh featherweight uh bantamweight flyweight strawweight they're divisions that are kind of difficult to finish as the 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 talent level moves up okay the higher the talent level the less amount of finishes uh, unless your name is frankie edgar which we'll get into momentarily yeah Yeah, uh, that's just that guy had uh, frankie almost gave me a heart attack i gotta text him (laughs) Just freaking guy. Anyways, uh, love that guy to death. Uh, but anyways, back to you on a J-check. Um, just an incredible performance. The, she's taking this stru- – she's got some love, man. She's getting some love from a lot of people in a lot of cities all around the world. Everywhere she's competing, she, people are cheering her like crazy. But you got to give kudos uh, to Jessica Andrade, man. She is made of steel. Her resolve is thick. She's an absolute beast but just not on the level, man, not on the level of Johanna. Yeah, and a lot of this can – a lot of this will be said for the Edgar-Yair fight as well. But one thing I noticed right off the bat, Andrade was – Andrade was wearing a rash guard, which she hasn't done at 115. And I think that she was like, I'm going to get every advantage I can get, cover up as much as I can, get as much friction as possible. Uh, that way, in case I take her down, take Johanna down – Maybe I can keep her down. And she landed a big, big takedown early, and that looked good. But after that first takedown, she was she slowed down significantly. I don't want to say she was tired, but it's like it's like all hope was lost for her. And really, in, in my opinion, the only way to that she had the only chance she had to beat Joanna was to catch her with some big miracle punch, and that's really what she went after for five rounds. Might as well. You're not going to beat her almost any other way because Andrade was not going to keep her down. The only thing was Andrade didn't try to cut Joanna off at all. Yeah, she was too busy hunting. She was too busy hunting. She wasn't thinking yeah. uh, angles at all. Well, she was probably thinking she just couldn't do it. Meanwhile, there's probably no striker in UFC history better at uh, 
hitting someone while moving backwards, except maybe Anderson Silva. He was pretty damn good at that. But then Joanna, Joanna is incredible at that. Uh, I, you know, and I saw Joe Rogan was like overreacting to a lot of Andrade's strikes. Like Joanna was never hurt in that fight. Basically, this made me want to see like her and Mighty Mouse Johnson have like a friendly exhibition joking sparring session where they just go for do anything they want for like 45 minutes. Also, I noticed the handstand defense on these takedowns, especially when they when you try to turn the corner, that's becoming so prevalent, especially at the high, high levels. Like Joanna used that and, and did it well. Also want to give uh, props to Daniel Cormier, who figured out what Joanna saw, the hole that Joanna saw in Andrade's game and where she, she would dip her head, then she would slug. And every time she would uh, every time Andrade would dip, Joanna would scoot right out of there. That is high level like analysis. That that is awesome. So Joanna joins John Jones, Mighty Mouse, Tito, Anderson Silva, Matt Hughes, GSP, Aldo, and Rousey in defending a UFC title five times in a row. And to me, that was always like the benchmark. That yeah. was always like the like if somebody did that, you knew they were something special, which we knew she was before, but well, her eight victories are the most by any woman ever in the UFC. So she's going to continue to break these records. Uh, as to who she's going to fight next, I guess Rose uh, Nami Yunus will be next, but that's going to be a tough fight uh, for Rose. I mean, Johanna right now just looks absolutely fantastic, as does Rose. Rose is looking really, really good, but I don't know if she's on that level with Johanna. Johanna is just, yeah, just absolutely crazy. We got we got the news in between each of these. I think we should maybe uh, attack some of the news that's been released throughout the week as well. And this kind of works into it. The Ultimate Fighter, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, for the 125 pound title, which we have been begging for for a long time. Here's how I see it playing out: Somebody's going to win that title, then Yoana's going to come and kick their ass immediately because oh, she ain't doing the Ultimate Fighter. She's yeah. not sitting in a house for a couple months. She's not doing that. No, there's no chance she'll do that. But the real question to think about that is, yeah, it can happen. Will the UFC allow it to happen? Will they allow a another person to hold two titles? They, you know, I, I'm thinking yes, but she'll have to relinquish one immediately. Immediately, no ifs, ands, or buts. You're not defending both. You're not tying up two divisions. Yeah, but with Joanna, how often does she fight? She usually fights at least two times a year, sometimes three, I mean, four times in 2014, three and 15, two and 16. And really, it's been, she's had three fights since last July because she took that that pretty extended break after the Valerie Letourneau fight. She might be able to make it work. And I think that maybe they would be okay with that while the divisions are forming. Like, that might be like a little bit of uh, of leeway. For that to happen, though, Sean, she'd have to fight four times a year. Yeah, but, I mean, when you're developing a division like that, I mean, you can almost get away with it. Plus, she's beaten so many people at 115. It's kind of like the Mighty Mouse thing. you got to let some people build up. But at that presser, how funny was it? Joanne Calderwood, who I think should take up a second career reading, like, nursery rhymes on Audible. Yeah, any audiobook. I'll buy it. she, She was like, I committed to doing this fight, and then I found out that there's a 125-pound division the next day, and I got to say, it kind of pissed me the fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) That woman is incredible. Oh, man. Oh, God. She is wonderful. She's wonderful. I I just want to hug her. Yeah. Hug her for a long time. Like, just, just, she's, she's just so amazing. She's just such an, a nice human being. She's so nice. Man, she's had some trouble. She's had some mental demons that she's had to deal with Yeah, uh, for a very long time. Uh, she continues to fight through it. But, man, like you said, that voice, uh, I don't know who told me first. I, I think we read it on the live chat a while ago. Uh, you know, audiobooks. She could have an amazing career doing oh, it. Oh, she would do great. She would do great. Now, I know it's a long ways away if it even does happen. And you know, injuries happen, and all kinds of stuff can happen. But if it does, who do you see as the first 125 pound uh, UFC women's champion? Because again, I don't, I don't think Joanna's doing the Ultimate Fighter. No, no. Uh, the first champ could be Jessica Andrade. I mean, anything can happen. Well, she won't go on the show. That's the problem. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's a very good question. Well, for every question, there is an answer, Joe. Okay. 
His name is Frankie Edgar. Therefore? Yeah, he, he Frankie Edgar beat up Yair Rodriguez. Was that what you're getting at right now? That's, uh... Yeah, it was, it, was too good of a, it was too good of a segue to go to Masvidal Maya. We can skip her. Like, it was, it was too good. You're but, right. It's uh, a good segue. But Frankie Edgar, like you said, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, you knew this. You knew this. Anyone, anyone that watched the podcast leading up, it was mm-hmm. actually the, the day the fight was announced, I felt concerned for Frankie Edgar. I felt concerned. I was worried for him. I was just thinking to myself, okay, am I buying into the Yair Rodriguez hype? Because I don't buy the, the BJ Penn defeat. Uh, I do buy the skill set. I do buy the fact that he's extremely dangerous uh, with all those kicking techniques that he has, the setups, the way he launches them. Uh, and Frank Yeager's not getting any younger. Uh, the youth advantage went to Yair Rodriguez. I was just concerned for Frankie. I didn't want to see him go out because, yeah, he's taken a lot of punishment in his career. Uh, just look at all the Gray Maynard fights the Jose Aldo fights, um, you know, he, he's, he's a modern-day Rocky, a real-life Rocky Balboa, but eventually Father Time catches up to you. And I thought, you know, th- is this going to be it for Frankie? Is Jerry Rodriguez going to be that kid or that young fighter that finally takes him out, uh, a, a passing of the torch? Uh, and then, uh, you know, Frankie reminded all of us that, yeah, you know what? I don't have to stand and trade with him. I can take him down to the ground and control him and beat the crap out of him. Yeah, and it went pretty much how how I suspected it would and mentioned on the podcast. Yair's kind of wild. He got taken down. We we saw shades of like Tyson Griffin going for that knee bar on Frankie Edgar and then getting messed up. So uh, first off, what is up with Yair's cut, man? Because that that loomed huge. That loomed huge. Not touching that eye eventually ended the fight. Not to say that it could have prevented it, but – it couldn't have hurt. Uh, to Yair's credit, the real, really the only thing I have on him, he, he, his velocity with his strikes from his back were pretty nice, but they weren't doing anything to, to Edgar. Good for him for going for that knee bar and giving it a go, not, not giving up there. But it's so funny because even when Texas does the right thing and make a stoppage, there's controversy because Edgar didn't know what the hell was going on and he got mad after the fight. Well, I I was tweeting out, but well, exactly like live tweets, and I was changing it as things were happening. Um, I went to hit enter, uh, 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 and then just hit enter because it was changing so much. I didn't care anymore because the fight was waved off. It's done. It's over. You won. Uh, I, I, I you brought up a good point though regarding the cut man because it's ridiculous. I mean, what your your job is is to not only look at the cuts. But swelling is also extremely important. And, you know, a guy like Stitch Durand and, and so many others, Swayze Valentine's another one. There's so many amazing um, cut men and women out there that, that can do two things at a time. You know, you got to get that end swell on there to bring it down, especially if it's puffing up to the point where the eye is going to close or it's going to cause, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, not a convex, but a, like a little curve over the eye where things start looking like they're fluttering. You can't see. you got to take care of that. So it just made no sense to me uh, why two things weren't done at the same time. But um, I don't know, Sean, like the way Frankie was fighting, the way he was just zoned, man. Uh, and, and listen, he, he was an emotional wreck, pretty much an emotional wreck heading into that fight with, with what happened with Nick Catone's, uh, you know, horrible. baby. Just horrible. horrible. So um, kudos to Frankie for, for keeping it all together mentally. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have a very emotional, um, you know, He'll partially celebrate right now and get pretty emotional for Nick and stuff like that. But just he said it, he said it best. Yair Rodriguez is going to be a superstar in this division, just not yet. Well, I mean, he might be next year. It's just Frankie Edgar is a freight train, man. Like, and you know he's he's going to be watching UFC 212, and he's going to be hoping that Max Holloway wins. So if Max yeah. Holloway wins. Frankie Edgar's probably. Probably next in line. I'm sure Aldo would be like, I deserve a rematch because why wouldn't he? You know, that's exactly what he does. We but should have an over under on how many more fights Josie Aldo will have with the UFC. Oh, God, I'd say if he loses against Holloway, he'll never retire, but he'll bitch about getting a rematch over and over again. Instead of just moving up to 155, beating the shit out of people and working his way back to a Conor McGregor rematch that would sell like crazy. But you look at Frankie Edgar, and it's like, man, he's got a he's he's got limited options. I mean, I guess you could go if if 
if Aldo wins, you could go maybe what Ricardo Lamas, maybe mm-hmm. that's it. Because yeah. he, he beat Swanson, he's fought Aldo before. Like, I mean, what are you gonna do? Go put him in there with Elkins? No. I don't know about that. No, that's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Not, not gonna be Pettis. He would beat the brakes off of Korean Zombie. As as much as I like Korean Zombie, he beat the brakes off of him. Jeremy Stevens is ranked number eight. He ain't even a top. He's not a top fifteen featherweight. And then then you get down to the the level below that. You got the Brian Ortegas and uh, the Moicanos and Korean Superboy and Bechtik uh, and Barrow saying he's going to go to one thirty five because he's dumb. Otherwise, otherwise, I'd say you know if if Burrell can get a bounce back win, put him in there, put Edgar in there with Burrell. That'd be a fun fight, good co main event for for a show. Yeah, I, I you know it's it's it all depends on what happens. Uh, was it next month? Yeah, June. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning so, yeah, of June. We'll, we'll yeah, I'm hoping, hoping I can be there for that show. Uh, I'll be an usher in a wedding that evening, so I'll keep you. I'll keep you abreast. I don't think that the show will run. Until one in the morning, so or the 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 wedding will run till one in the morning. What kind of wedding doesn't run till one in the morning because my weddings mm-hmm. that I go to, like, it's two three o'clock. I'm like, I'm getting the nudge. We gotta go. Not gotta your go. boy. Not your boy. I, I like to make an early night of it. No, oh, you're a straight edge dude, aren't you? I am. You are very straight edge. Fortunately, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> or fortunately, I'm not. Uh, Damian Maya, Jorge Masvidal, in a fight that heading into that third round. Uh, you could have scored it any way you liked it because under the unified rules of MMA, this may be one of the very, 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 very few fights that I could say, yeah, I'll buy 10-9 for Jorge. I'll buy 10-9 yeah. for Damian Maya. It, it was just – and good on Daniel Cormier for breaking it down um, because when I, when, whenever I explain things to people I, – I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've – been with people watching UFC events, and they base something that happened in the first round, like a punch that lands in the first round, splits a guy's face open, and they carry what happened in that round all the way into rounds two and three, sometimes rounds four and five. Yeah. And I'm like, that, what happened in that first round, has nothing to do with what happened uh, in the rest of the fight. Uh, you can't, you score, it's unified rules of MMA. You, you score the round, and that's it. It's done. The new round starts again. You score that round. And in between each round, you can break it down by minute if you like. So there's five there's five rounds or five minutes within the round. So five rounds within that round, and you can start looking at the clock, who dominated the first minute, second minute. Or you can cut it in half, who dominated the first half, who dominated the second half. You can look at a sliding scale, damage, control. And this fight here showed it all. It showed uh, a guy that was striking, and according to Damian Maia, striking well, but not enough to really hurt him. And a guy who had positional control in Damian Maia, controlling Corey Masvidal for half a round at minimum, uh, but not going, not really getting anywhere near a finish. Very difficult fight to score. Heading into that third round, um, very difficult to score. You, you can look at it either way. I know it was a split decision. It could have went either way, Sean. Yeah, I had rounds one and three for Maya, but if you would have told me that Masvidal won two and three, I wouldn't have like thrown a fit or anything because I don't think that Maya did anything to really threaten a finish in round two and three. And when in a grappling situation like that, it's important to me. But the first round, yeah, I had that one for for Maya for sure. I thought he was close. It was on uh, Masvidal's backing off a lot. I mean, that is his go-to choke, that rear naked choke, but. If honestly, if Masvidal would have won this fight, I wouldn't have thrown a fit about it. I, I would have been, you know, he he did a lot of damage on the feet. He completely controlled that that game. It was a real chess battle, and it was a former 185 pounder against a former 155er. So that was going to play a factor. It's just weird to think that nine and a half months ago, Masvidal was pretty much fighting for his UFC job, and yeah. tonight, yeah. tonight, a guy who was once fighting Kimbo Slice proteges could have earned a title shot. It's, it's pretty crazy. Maya could perform like this until he's 45 years old. He's like a knuckleball pitcher in the major league. He's, <laughs> he's Tim Wakefield. He could do this till he's 45. And still, you know, even at 45, if he's getting beat, he'll win one, then lose one, then win one, then lose one, that type of thing. 
Old school, old school, yeah. old school, old school. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, and the way he, did, he just uses jujitsu. And I, I mean, people do not respect his takedowns nor his takedown defense or his takedown attempts. I think they're absolutely amazing because when you, when you break things down, Okay, you can be as technical as you want from a wrestling perspective, a judo perspective, uh, a catch wrestling perspective. It doesn't matter as long as you get your opponent down to the ground consistently like Damian Maya does. Who cares? Because he'll go in there for a single and he'll switch and pull guard or he'll pull half guard. It it doesn't matter as long as he was on the ground is amazing. When he was cutting off like the far hip with his with his right leg, whenever Masvidal would try to sit up or sit out. I was like, God damn, man. Like, you don't – I would never know to do that in the heat of the moment. But when I see him doing it, I'm like, oh, I know what he's doing there. Yeah. And, and, and it's it seems like, oh, yeah, that'd be so easy. It, it seems like, oh, it'd be so easy. But it's not. It's not that easy. I got to say this, though, Joe. And shoot me if you want to. Uh-oh. I'm, not look, I'm not looking forward to Maya versus Woodley. I think it's going to be a terrible fight. I don't think it's going to be terrible, and I'll tell you why. I you think, think Woodley's going to knock him out? Either or. Or either he's going or. to tap out? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I don't see it being a boring fight because the power that Tyron Woodley and the speed that Tyron Woodley has uh, is going to pose major, major, major problems for Damian Maya if Damian Maya cannot get that takedown early in the fight because Tyron Woodley brings that power that will hurt a guy like Damian Maya and end it real quick, in my opinion. Yeah. Or if Damian Maya does what Damian Maya does, you will be holding your breath every single minute because do you think Tyron Woodley has the the jiu-jitsu defense or the submission defense that Jorge Masvidal does? I don't know. I don't know. Has he? I don't think he's ever been submitted, has he? Ever? Has he ever been in that kind of damage before? Ever been in that type of situation where he's, you, you're like, uh oh, this guy's in big trouble? He's been beaten, uh, you know, guys like Nate Marquardt, uh, you know, guys that, that you know, Roy Jake McDonald. Shields beat him, and I mean, Jake Shields is a hell of a grappler. Now, nobody yeah. is Maya's level, but yeah, I, I know one thing. I'm excited to see him fight somebody who isn't Stephen Thompson. That's kind of neat. But are you saying I'm not on Damian Maya's level? I've got video yeah. proof, a live TV or a TV show that showcased. Uh, I rolled with Damian Maya and did a fantastic job. Now he let that me do whatever did. I he let me do whatever I wanted for three and a half minutes, but it looked really good on camera. <laughs> and then he schooled my ass, tapped me out like five, six times in like forty five seconds. The guy is just unbelievable. But yeah, Tyron Woodley and Damian Maya, I'm 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 looking forward to the fight. It's still an old school fight, Sean. It's an old school jujitsu guy versus striker. Every time Damian Maya fights, it's an old school fight, to be honest with you, unless he's fighting yeah. Jacare. But uh other than that, I, I am looking forward to it. I mean anything can happen. Could be boring. You might be right. I would imagine, I would imagine they were gonna try to plug that into UFC two thirteen since it doesn't look like Garbrandt and Dillashaw is gonna happen now. But I just know, you know, tomorrow Damian Maya is going to be like, ah, my knee is jacked. What is the official word on that, though? There is no official word on it. Uh, Dillashaw is campaigning for a fight against Mighty Mouse Johnson with, at 125. And Dana White's like, ah, I don't know, man. And I'm like, are you – what? What? Why not? Because we're not going to talk about Sergio Pettis. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Otherwise, I'm saying... Give the fight to Sergio Pettis just right now. He probably should have had it anyway. Uh, whether he didn't have a fight tonight, just do it. Sure, they they did that with Gustafson one time. His fight got canceled. They gave him a title fight right after that. So, <laughs> Stone Osborne in the live chat. Joe Todd Noble Yanyao. All he knows. True story. <laughs> God, that's why people die when they weight cut there, right? Yeah, that place is crazy. That that gym is insane. With- the white, I don't. I mean, if you were, to, oh, I don't want to talk about those mats. That's that's those I, guys are insane over there. I do want to specify, Maya absolutely deserves the title shot. I'm just not going to look forward to the fight. Will I watch it? Yeah, of course. But it, will I look forward to it like I did tonight's show? No. 
But if I were them, I would put it on that that UFC 213 show if they can. That's going to be a tough squeeze. Stone Osborne's on fire in the live chat. Guys, we love all your comments, by the way. Uh, a lot of love going out to Damian Maya. Uh, Joe choked out Eddie Bravo so hard that he woke up and thought the earth was flat. <laughs> One thing I like about Eddie Bravo, I'm not saying I get along with the guy because he is an odd duck. Believe me, I've, I've met yeah. Eddie about eight, nine years ago, and I was like, hey, this conversation's coming to an end. I'm not dealing with this guy. Uh, he, he was the first guy that I really learned about the squeeze, the importance of the squeeze. And Joe Rogan mentioned it uh, during the broadcast tonight. The squeeze, um, whenever you're choking something, he, he had us do a drill where we just basically brought our, our one knee up to our chest, and we would squeeze our knee for as long as you possibly can and yeah. then switch the arm and squeeze and squeeze and just keep going and just get, keep working it, working it, working it, man, the jujitsu game went through the roof whenever I would be able to roll with someone. Um, but yeah, uh, but guys, the true story with that Damien, my thing, uh, I did roll with Damien, let me do whatever I wanted. And they just destroyed me. So with a gi and without the gi, <laughs> it was the highlight, uh, probably of my year at that one. Gra- grappling in the gi is a completely different world that people don't realize. And I didn't realize the first time I did it. And for one, if you, if you see a guy who's grappled in the gi for like decades, their fingers like go six different directions, yeah. and all yeah. that crazy stuff. Oh man. It's a different sport. It's a different game. For those that don't know, yeah. it's totally different because when you have a gi on, um, when I, when I first started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, my gis are baggy. They're almost, they're more or less judo geese. As time went on, I started re- and then I started doing no gi, and then I go back and forth. In the summer here, we would do no gi. Uh, in the winter months, we would do gi. Obviously, it's Canada. We got to somehow keep warm, right? Uh, our gi, I'd make sure all our guys, our gi's would get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter because obviously with the gi, it's all about grips. It's gripping the here and there and, and grabbing your, your opponent's kimono or whatever and doing things. No gi, it's totally different. There's nothing really to grab other than limbs. So it's a different sport altogether. So, yeah, kind of cool. What do you think about Joe Silva and the UFC Hall of Fame and the contributor wing? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe it. I mean, this guy's got a wall of, I don't know if he still has it, VHS tapes uh, back in the day that were just like, you, you picture any room in your house, the, the actual room that you're in right now, the wall behind you with the guitar and the picture uh, of you and the missus, that just uh, VHS tapes. Back oh, in the day. you know, he's, he's got those converted to digital since the sale. Yeah, the oh. sale. He he made what some money he, there. He got twenty two million. Did he get something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joel Silva's a um, an interesting character. He was a guy that I knew right off the bat. Um, not only was he super smart, uh, staunch atheist to say the least, but uh, he's um, he's one of those guys that I would. You ever meet somebody that you know is a really good person, good guy, very, very smart, but it's best if you just keep them at arm's length. Just yeah, don't get too close either way sort of thing. That's that's how I feel about Joe Silva. Well, uh, well there's no benefit, especially as a journalist, because he ain't giving you shit. Oh, Sean Rossip, he gave me a lot of stuff. Not, not these days. He's not, not, no. not like, not these days. No, not the last few years. They kept him away from cameras. They like, if you got to talk to Joe Silva in the last couple of years, it was but, a rain. It was a leprechaun. Joe Silva, though, I'll tell you this. Now, a lot of the stuff that Joe Silva and I discussed uh, was never on record. It was just stuff because you know, yeah. Joe Silva is the type of guy. No matter where we, no matter what city we were in, he was always in the media room. Always in the media room, nonstop. He would have dinner with us, um, you know, and he, he was the type of guy that, you know, there, there, there's always pre-parties, there's industry parties, uh, there's post-fight parties. Joe Silva was there, and he would hang out with all of us. He'd hang out. I mean, I tell people all the time, when you cover the UFC the way I did, and like I said, dude, look, just look behind me with all the different passes, all, all the different countries or, or cities that I've been to, is a traveling circus. Was always a traveling circus, so we, it's like a, 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 a weird sort of family that you would travel with. Then you'd go home to your family for three weeks or whatever it was, and then you would travel to a new city and you'd reconnect with everybody again. So at least you would see everybody at minimum once a month. So we would all discuss, what, you know, what's happening on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night after the event, stuff like that. Joe Silva was always there, Sean. He was always there, no matter what. And I can't even tell you how many times many drinks we've we've purchased for each other and just whatever and you know it's just a smart guy very intelligent you could name any fighter and he knew something about them i mean we i mean we had crazy discussions about um 
the heavyweight division, the flyweight division, what's happening in Japan. I told him, oh, there's a picture. I don't know if I've ever posted on Instagram uh, of him and I, and I think Sean Shelby at a shooto event in Japan. Like while most people were going out to crazy, doing crazy things in Japan, I thought I'm in Japan. I want to go to a shooto event. I went on my own. And who showed up? Joe Silva and Sean Shelby. These yeah, guys love they're, – they're, they're incredible. So I was mainly saying he doesn't give anything to the media and hasn't for several years. Yes, perhaps, yeah. No, At the been... UFC's urging, which I think he urged the UFC to urge that, to, to let the media know, hey, don't talk to these guys. Sean Shelby gives a little bit. I've, I've reached out to Sean Shelby, and I've had uh, – he's given me some stuff here and there. But, I mean, just standard confirmations. Uh, one thing else I want to ask you about, and then we'll finish out the fights. This Dana White Tuesday night fight contender series. That that's an interesting concept. Whatever. <laughs> okay, Pearson. This what just what we need. <laughs> Fucking just bullshit. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> what? It's just, I don't talk Why are you so salty? I don't want to talk about it. All the world's flavors, and you chose to be salty. Yeah, whatever, Dana White, do it. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Hmm. Showdown Joe hates those credentials, guys. He hates getting credentials. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, I guess well, we're we talking about Dave Brand versus Christoph Jotko. We're in 2017. Let me take a look at potentially where that conversation I had with the UFC was. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. Infinity 007 is the first time you've heard Joe swear. You'll hear a lot more on these quick hits that he's going to be doing. But yeah. uh, Christoph Jotko and, and Dave Branch, this one was one that you had to answer a lot of questions for Dave Branch because Jotko's a top 15 guy. Dave Branch left the UFC, came back six years later, had won titles in World Series of Fighting at middleweight and light heavyweight. This wasn't a good fight, but it showed that Dave Branch like could hang with the top guys in the UFC. Yeah, uh, and I don't always agree with Joe Rogan's commentary. I think that's a fact. I think most people know that, but he was right. I was expecting a lot more from David Branch whenever he did get that fight down on the ground. Uh, I thought for sure... At the minimum, at the very minimum, pass one leg. Pass one leg, drop your hip. Um, I would assume you drive him to the cage uh, because Jocko does have those long arms. You, you want to take him to the cage. Uh, I'm not saying old school, dirty stuff like Randy Couture used to do where he would just pummel people. Uh, you know, Frank Yeager was smart with what he did with uh, Yara Rodriguez, putting him against a cage in that first round, going old school Tito Ortiz style and just pummeling him that way. Uh, I thought David would do a little bit more. Um, you know, you, you could chalk it up to being safe. It's psychological, man. Fighting is extremely psychological. When you think about, you know, you've gone that long from the UFC uh, and now you're finally back, you're, you might be afraid to pull the trigger. No, don't make a mistake, you know, and he's fighting a guy who's pretty damn good that could end the fight pretty damn quick. So, yeah, yeah, guys, on the live chat, I apologize for swearing. Well, maybe not, but yeah, <laughs> whatever. It's all good. But yeah, I mean, it was an okay fight for Dave Branch. I can't I can't imagine they're going to put him on a pay-per-view or, or Fox Sports 1 anytime soon. I'd say he's going to be a fight pass guy. He'll be a fight pass feature guy is what yeah. he'll be. Yeah, I think you're bang on. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he had his opportunity and didn't do it. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. God damn Eddie. it, that fight pissed me off. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, pissed everybody off. It should have. It was a fantastic fight. It was unbelievable, and it ended the way that it did. Uh, and, and I saw people saying, good job, Herb. No, not good job, Herb. That's a DQ. How was that, how was that a good job, Herb? That was a DQ, and people say, uh, unintentional knees. No, he meant to throw his knee at a dude's head. The first one was illegal in Texas. The second one was illegal Everywhere in America. <laughs> I was going to say not in Japan. Yeah, but yeah, everywhere in America. It should have been a DQ. Dustin Poirier was uh, very noble in telling the crowd not to boo Eddie Alvarez afterwards. But uh, Dustin, you lost half your money, bro. Yeah. You know what? What, what disturbed me most about that is 
the way that Dustin Poirier landed that left cross to just rock Eddie Alvarez and continue, those guys are going back and forth. Eddie Alvarez just being Eddie Alvarez and, you know, the fight doing it's just, it's the beautiful, raw, emotional fight. Two guys who said they're in a fist fight, they're going at it, they're fighting, 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 but this is still a sport. We love fist fighting, we love fighting, we love combat sports, but it's still a sport. And there are rules in the sport that you have to abide by. You break those rules, you're supposed to get disqualified. As a referee and Herb Dean, and even with when, when you know the, the the whole talking in the ear of, into Mark Ratner's ear, the microphone's right there. We heard every damn thing uh, you guys were saying. Mark Ratner should have said something, dude. That's a disqualification. Yeah. And it, I, I gotta have the announcers stop talking about the rules until they know them. Because there's so much, oh, well, these are the rules. But wait, no, learn the rules. Hey, I know the rules. If I know the rules and you are in the booth doing analysis or color commentary, you should know the rules. There's no reason for the, uh, uh, it's not confusing. It is not confusing. Ah, It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I I feel bad. Hopefully they can reschedule this fight for the fall, though. I would love to see them run it back. Yeah, I, this this fight has to be done again. It has to be. I mean, it was too awesome. I mean, this like you know, you never really know when you match up two fighters. Sean Shelby will tell you this. Sean uh, Joe Silva will tell you this. Matchmakers that I know on a personal level say you never really truly know what's going to happen when you match two people together. We now know when Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier are matched together, we're going to get some bombs being thrown. Uh, and just to, just to echo your your sentiment there, your your point there uh, about you know broadcasting and analysis and, and people on there it, it, to not know the rules. I understand this. I'm not saying that any one of them have to be uh, certified in anything, but you got to know the rules. You got to there, know. There aren't that many. There yeah. aren't that many rules to be honest you know? with you. I mean, re- compared to like football, basketball, hockey, baseball, there are not that many rules in this sport. Well, there's a, there there are a fair amount of fouls and rules that you need to know. Yeah, but, but I mean, they're not rocket science. You used to be able to fit those on a on a single Wikipedia browser page. Like yeah. uh, as a no, couple, right. I mean, there are some technical aspects to it, like palm on the ground stuff like that. But that's about to be out the window. Like it is just so weird, man. Like well, well the other thing that drives me nuts, uh, and and. You know, long-time listeners of the Fightful of MMA podcast, I've heard me say it numerous times with Sean. It, grab a bottle of tequila, grab a bottle of whiskey, grab a bottle a beer, anything. And for every time you hear on a UFC broadcast, he's out, she's out, it's over, Damn. it's locked in, this fight's over. And it doesn't happen, take a shot. Or take a swig of that beer. You won't hear your boy doing that at Premier MMA Championship 3 on May 27th, live on Flow Combat. Just saying. Oh, and I'll be there. Uh, I'll be at Titan FC next weekend. Hot damn. Next Friday. Uh, leave here on Wednesday. Looking forward to it. That's a good time. We have a nice question in the chat. Will we ever see one or both of the Pitbull brothers in the UFC or are they Bellator lifers? Son! What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Without them, Viacom's going to pack it in and cancel the whole show. They main Done. event every <laughs> single show. There is no Bellator without the Pitbull brothers. Come on now. They would have to offer – UFC would have to offer them – Oh, and even if they did, they would become the big – like the fake Dylan Danis claims on the highest paid in Bellator, they would become the highest paid in Bellator if <laughs> UFC made them an offer. Jeez. Either way, let, let's finish up. We got we've got like five six minutes left, but the, these prelims were awesome. These FX prelims, at least. Uh, I, I didn't want to bust up your your what's up and your tweets with some of the stuff that was going on here uh, throughout the broadcast. But uh, Jason Knight, the kid, needs to change Nick his Diaz. name to Fight of. Uh, what's that? Hick Diaz. Yeah, he's just he's he's, he's nuts. He's crazy. taking out Chad Skelly the way he did. I mean, Jason Knight is something else. I mean, I'm really impressed. Um, I'm trying to remember what Titan event it was when I interviewed him. Um, he put me on blast. 
he put me on blast saying, you better recognize my jujitsu. And I was like, whoa, I, I, I didn't ask you that because you're, you're winning with your hands, but your jujitsu is <laughs> fantastic, whatever. But he put me on blast letting me know, hey, man, you better talk about my jujitsu. I'm like, okay. Well, we saw it tonight. That first round with that rubber guard, that meat hook, I mean, that that thing, he, he's he's good. He had Chas Skelly thinking a whole uh, – th- that first round, okay, for anyone that doesn't like the ground game, the transitions, and everything that happened in that first round – was just a sight to behold. I could watch that first round, Sean, over and over and over again. And you realize this fight here going into the third round was absolutely fantastic. I mean, Jason Knight is something else. Crazy to think like 36, 37-year-old Kawajiri beat him after all the wars he's been through. You're right. But yeah, Jason Knight is the guy who would fight your grandfather behind a Napa Auto Parts store. (laughs) He doesn't care. Well, I'll tell Jason they to come here, come to my town, come to where St- where Sean Pearson and I live, because the Napa Auto Parts here, I almost I want I almost got a scrap in that store. They're the people that <laughs> run that place are losers. Jason Knight, you're welcome to come uh, just north of Toronto. Come hang out with me and Sean. We'll take care of you. Sorry, go ahead, Sean. But I mean, hell, uh, we had two guys that were like 17 and two, I think, or 17. One was 17 and one going into the fire. No, they were both seven. I think 16 and 2 and 17 and 2. So that's a big win for Jason Knight. And four in a row, four since last July. And he says, Hey, I want to fight. <laughs> Was it, I think he said he wanted to fight what? July, September, and December as well. Three more fights this year he wants. Jesus, that guy is psychotic. But good for him. Hey, he's 24 years old. He's going to be 25 in July. So I think he. You know, the accent throws the people off. They hear the, the, the southern accent, and they assume, oh, he must not be that bright. No, he's smart, and he knows his window, and he is busting out that window and making sure it doesn't close. So good for him. Uh, Jane, uh, Vic, that was a good promo he cut, too. He said who he wanted to fight. He said, why am I not in the top 15? And I got into it with somebody over this, Joe. He took a shot at the UFC. Too. Yeah. That's the first person he took a shot at was his employer, and then he went after the two gentlemen that are that you know went after each other in the press conference. But sorry, go ahead. Somebody was telling me that he didn't belong in the UFC's top fifteen even before tonight, and I was like, Gilbert Melendez is there. He has one UFC win in his life. One. No argument. Absurd. Melendez is a good dude, but yeah, he's uh, yeah, you know, you're absolutely correct. But James Vick, the way he finished off Marco Polo Reyes was, Reyes was just ridiculous. It's and I when I saw the replay, uh, the one angle where they show the extension of the right cross coming up, just I thought to myself, that's something you got to train, son, because you're horrible at it. Your crosses stop here. And this guy's got this extension that goes all the way. I'm like, man, that was just a beautiful combination the way he just he slipped it. I mean, James Vick's a bad dude, man. And good for him, though. Good for him to getting on the mic. We're seeing a lot of UFC fighters, a lot of UFC fighters afterwards on the mic taking shots at the UFC, whether, you know, purposely, subliminally, uh, like just they're, they're starting to take shots. And look at social Go. media, but... Go watch press conferences from four years ago, and unless Chael Sonnen was on them, you will just bang your head into a desk all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was there. Conor McGregor changed the world for, yep. for UFC, and for the better. You know, they're like, thank God he came around. Thank God he came around. Infinity <laughs> 007. What was Ali Quinta doing in the audience? Thought he told they you. They gave him a ticket. Off. They sent him there. Yeah. So, best pals again. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Well, that's what it probably was. It wasn't more of a peace offering. It's like, come to town. We got to talk. And you yeah. can pick it here. But shut up. Smarten up, Al. Uh, we'll see if Al actually does it. Uh, you missed the Chase Sherman, uh, Rochelle Coulter fight, which was the craziest thing I may have ever seen in MMA. I mean, I know Shogun Hua and Great Dan Henderson. Yeah, that, that, those, those guys are nuts. Like that was a, Chase Sherman, who I met over at Titan when he was fighting a Titan, uh, and Rashad Coulter. That was just the craziest thing I've ever seen. That was awesome. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, they won fight of the night. Miochik and Knight won performance of the night, by the way. Uh, Sherman was fighting for his job. Yep. So, you know, you do that and you, you finish somebody with an elbow like that. Good for him. 
Yeah. Uh, real quick on the preliminary or the UFC fight pass prelims, Courtney Casey uh, did a number on my Titan FC uh, teammate, broadcast teammate, Jessica Aguilar, who just did not look good in that fight uh, whatsoever. Um, I don't know what the problem was with that. I mean, you have someone's leg, Sean. I don't know what you guys are taught, but you got someone's leg. Uh, you can kick it a few times just in one motion. When you sweep it off to the right or to the left, you continue down with a punch. Do you remember Dennis Kang? Yeah. Dennis Kang was the master. He's the first person I ever saw a dude in mixed martial arts where he would take the leg, pick a side, and then just come down and drop that bomb. I don't know why Jessica didn't do it. Uh, that cost her the fight because Courtney Casey on her back was doing more damage than Jessica was doing standing up. So Courtney Casey emerges victorious. Enrico Barzola takes out uh, Gabriel Bonita. It's a pretty good fight. I enjoyed that fight yeah. there. Uh, and then Antti Gulov takes out uh, Joaquin Christensen uh, in a... <laughs> We're naked choke, two minutes and 21 seconds in. So fight pass prelims are pretty damn good, too. Yeah, the Christensen's defense was eh. Uh, the Courtney Casey win, that was big for me. I mean, Jessica Aguilar was the best women's 115 fighter in the world, and Courtney Casey now has won three out of four after she started off her career. I mean, she popped into the UFC. She was four and one, and she, she had fought in, like, that Pacific Extreme Combat where – some iffy stuff came out of there. I think that's the place, but um, I could be wrong. It could have been a different place there that had the, the iffy matchups, but I wonder, does Aguilar fight again? She is 35 years old. She just turned 35. And the, here, here's why I ask, does she fight again? You go back to June, 2011, 15 minute fight, November, 15-minute fight. The next February, 15-minute fight. May, 15-minute fight. The next March, 15-minute fight. Uh, the next uh, the next October, uh, a 15-minute fight. She had a quick stoppage. Then you're talking 25 minutes, 25 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. 35 years old. She hasn't won in two and a half years. Man, it's... I'm not saying that, I mean, you know, she could definitely beat some of the top 15 in, in the UFC, but it's not looking good. No, I mean, I'll ask her. I'll ask her when I see her next week. Uh, but I, I keep in mind, think- these people she's going 15 minutes with, Carla Sparza, Fuji, Gedalia, Courtney Casey, um, ouch. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where, Age catches up to you, man. She was fantastic in World Series of Fighting. She was once considered uh, the top woman in her division. Uh, not so much anymore. And that happens to everybody. It happens that there isn't anyone uh, that isn't going to go through that. Um, I don't know. Lawrence Padilla right now is on there saying we're in the same. We're in the time of the anti-hero. You got to sell yourself to get your due in the UFC these days. Yeah, you know. It's just the way it is, man. That's that's what the sport is right now. I do want to ask you something uh, non-event related before I say goodbye to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a random thought uh, to those of you that are in the live chat right now by all means you can throw your, your thoughts up there although we may, we may be wrapping up the show uh, shortly after I, I asked Sean's for, for Sean's opinion um, the average duration of an NHL game is 2 hours and 20 minutes oh I'm, I'm there with you man I'm there the with NBA, you man you know where I'm going with this right NBA 2 hours and 24 minutes Major League Baseball 2 hours and 56 minutes NFL game 3 hours and 7 minutes the UFC is six hours and 40 minutes. I'm telling you, man, I, I get it because every Monday I'm saying three-hour Monday night Raws are too long. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, they're trying to find ways to speed up the game. UFC wants to stretch it out, and they're doing it because, because they got Fight Pass, they got Fox, they got Pay-Per-View. And the worst is when they're in Brazil and they got to answer to Brazil too and meet their time cues. Yeah, it's too long. What? Now, nine or ten fights, there's nothing wrong with that. You can sell the fight past prelims with one fight. Just put one really good fight on there. I don't know, man. I, five on the main card, four on the prelim, or the Fox Sports 1 prelims, one on the fight pass prelims. That's all you need. Nine, ten fights max. 
Hey, Lawrence Padilla. That wasn't Sean. That was me. Nah, what on Joe? Joe Ferrar. Whatever. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> yes, Stone Osborne. Six hours. Over six hours. I mean, this event started at 6.30. Mm-hmm. Like, I love mixed martial arts. It's all I've done my whole adult life. I love the sport. I love the UFC. But today was one of those days where I'm like, how long is an NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL game in comparison oh. to the UFC? And I'm like, well, oh, my God. It's Oh. Let me tell you, buddy, I watched Reds and the Giants last night, and they went like 18 innings. Oh, that's painful. And that was on the West Coast. <laughs> so painful. I was up until like 3.34 watching the Reds lose in the 18th inning. Wow. Bronson Arroyo was getting his outfielder's glove on, about to fill in for Billy Hamilton. Shit was about to go down, Joe. Bronson Arroyo <laughs> was about to play center field. It was going to get crazy. I apologize. Infinity 007. It's 7 a.m. there in the UK. Wow. You've had a long night, my friend, or a long day. Wow. 10 fights paced right. It's not that big of a deal. I don't know, man. It's too much. It's getting too much. It's just. But yeah, 12 and 13 is unnecessary. And there were, what, two fights that were pulled from this show? Well, the Cejudo Pettis fight was gone. And then there was another one uh, this week. Uh, Jared Gordon was supposed to fight uh, Keones. So we'd still be watching the UFC right now. <laughs> well, no, they would have just started at 530 instead. <laughs> 5, 9, 12. There would have been 14 fights. Oh, God, that would have been seven hours and 40 minutes. That's an eight-hour shift, man. Like, come on. Anyways. Oh, I'm going to be at eight hours anyway, buddy. <laughs> before we let you go, sir, anything you would like to say uh, before we do say goodbye? Yeah, guys, check out all of our great podcasts. Me and Joe are here every Tuesday at, what, 3 p.m.? And then uh, I'm here after Raw and SmackDown, after every WWE May, uh, big UFC show. Uh, that po- boxing podcast with Carlos and Steven has blown up. People are loving it. I'm loving it. It's getting me back into boxing as well. Also, The List and Ya Boy has blown up on Wednesdays. Uh, you can register at Fightful.com to get our members-only content. I do members-only podcasts on occasion there. It's absolutely free. I'll talk. It's basically like our hotline. Like I'll talk about stuff that Jimmy Van normally wouldn't let me talk about on air, like other websites and things that go on uh, in, in that manner because we do tackle a lot of stuff behind the scenes on the Wednesday show as well. But yeah, also uh, follow us at Fightful Online, Fightful MMA, and Fightful Wrestle. Go to Fightful.com. If you've not checked it out, visit Fightful.com for your news, live coverage, results, photos, videos, podcasts, interviews. We want you all to join in on our forums as well. Uh, I want to make that a destination for MMA, boxing, wrestling, action figures, video games, all sorts of entertainment. So go over there and give it a try, guys. I know uh, we're getting started with those, and it's a little bare, but you'll get some good interaction over there as well. Check out Fightful.com if you all uh, haven't already. And if I wanted to get a Fightful MMA shirt or a Fightful shirt in general, where would I get one? ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. Hey, you can get a Kraken Fight Team, Catches Catch Can Wrestling, and a Chipoy shirt over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Ross Sapp as well. Jimmy Van is still all over me. He wants me to come up with a slogan for a shirt. I don't know. I'll figure it out. He wants me to go with this Holy Smokes thing. Uh, although I did drop an F-bomb or two tonight. I've Maybe seen, I've seen some cool concept art, just saying. All right. We'll have to figure it out. But uh, Sean Rossap, we do thank you very much for your time. Uh, 2.10 a.m., Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Ooh. Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, you know, We all thank you for what you've done. Uh, just yeah, good on Stephen Miocic for uh for doing that and stuff like that, giving lots of lo- love and props to all the moms out there. Um, other than that, we want to thank all of you who tuned in live uh, tonight. We sincerely appreciate it. We thank you those as well on Stitcher uh, and on iTunes. Uh, thank you for downloading. Uh, the downloads are absolutely massive. We love it. Thank you so much. Uh, and we thank everyone all the time. Tell a friend. Sean says tell ten. I don't care. Tell yeah. people about Fightful MMA, Fightful in general. Uh, we are growing steadily. We absolutely love what we do, and we want to do so much more. Uh, but please, uh, tell a friend. Tell everybody you know. Uh, according to Sean, people that are not even alive, just let them know as well. But don't forget, you can follow Sean Rossap online anytime, at Sean Rossap. Check out his Instagram. Uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. There's absolutely no point to it. I just laugh and like everything he puts up there because it just it's Sean. It, it is I'm going to put out a mumble rap album. 
I that was hilarious. I'm like, what? I'm looking at this thing. I see this video. I'm like, what the hell is he saying? He's in under in bed. What's wrong with this guy? And I click. You know, you got to click it to hear the volume. And I'm like, this guy doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. He, but he's ripped. What's I'm happening a, over here? I'm a one man party. What can I say? Sure. It's embarrassing, but uh, it, and, uh, by the way, your hair is fantastic tonight. I'm, I know it is. Look, it's feathered. It's beautiful. Men like you and Pearson and Trigg and Jimmy Van and Alex Pawlowski and Jeff Hawkins and all these people we have on here wish, wish, and wait. Just wait until it gets even longer. It's beautiful. Nobody can take my hair from me. Nobody can do it. That may have been the worst 25 seconds in podcast history. No, it's beautiful. Look at it. Look, it'll just... I wish I had a fan so it could just flip flap in the wind. Somebody says Matt Riddle is better. Matt, no, Matt doesn't even wash his hair. Probably. <laughs> Come on. Terrible. Come on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. On that note, don't forget at Sean Ross Sapp on social media. Uh, Joe Ferraro, yours truly, can be found at Showdown Joe, and of course at Fightful MMA. Uh, give us a follow. Check out FightfulMMA.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. I will see you all. Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, along with Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, we'll have a brand new look to the show, uh, and we'll continue to just get better uh, and prettier, seeing as one of us two here is only pretty, the other one's got hair. Uh, we thank you all. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day to all. For now, we do say ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.